Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Eden Road podcast, where on tonight's show we're going to be previewing a big game down at the GTEC on Saturday night. Just before we get going, if you haven't already listened to our last episode in which we rank Brentford players from past and present, go do so now. That episode is live across platforms, a little bit different from what we normally do, but definitely a lot of fun and we've had some nice feedback on it so far, so thanks for that. Joining me tonight, though, for this preview is writer at The Athletic and contributor to the new Nottingham Forest podcast, the Gary Baldy Gazette, Nick Miller. Nick, it must have been a busy week for you as a Forest fan, to say the least. So thanks very much for taking the time, mate. Yeah, um, we didn't. Amazingly, we um, it was the first edition of the Gary Baldy Gazette this week and we didn't deliberately choose it for, for this week. It just so happened. <laughs> we just sort of threw a dart at a calendar when we'd all be available to record and it just so happened that it was the... Um, the week that the ceiling started caving in. So, yeah, yeah. I can imagine uh, it must have been stressful, but at the same time, lots to talk about. And we'll, we'll get into that. Just just before we kick off, guys, remember to subscribe to the YouTube and Spotify channels, leave a rating as well, and also give us a follow on our socials. That's at the Eden Road on Twitter and at Eden Road Pod on Instagram. Nick, we mentioned it <clears throat> at the top. I think there's only one place to start, really. Huge news in the week that Forest have been charged with breaching the Premier League's sustainability and profitability rules. First of all, from someone looking from the outside in, I don't, don't want to say that I kind of predicted it, but I wasn't massively surprised considering the amount of players that Forrest have signed since coming up. Um, didn't really come as a massive shock. And I heard you talking about the ins and outs of it, on, on the, the ins and outs of the charges on your podcast, as well as the Athletics' recent podcast with Matt Slater, which I thought did a really good job of explaining it. But for those who aren't kind of up to date with that story, could you explain what the charges are and your reaction to them? Yeah, well, basically, I mean, uh, sure, people will know by now, but the Premier League's profit and sustainability rules mean that a uh, Premier League club can lose a maximum of £105 million over a rolling three-year period. If you uh, have been in the Football League for some of that period, you can lose less than that. It's a, In Forest's case, having been in the Championship for um, 
for two years and Premier League in one, then they were allowed to lose a total of, I think it was £61 million. Um, we don't know at the moment by how much they have breached the, those rules because the accounts haven't been um, have been published just yet. But we 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 knew we, we know by the fact that they've been charged, and we kind of knew, as you alluded to, we knew anyway that this was this was going to happen. Um, Forest have accepted that they've breached the rules, and it's now just a case of sort of mitigating against that and making the argument that maybe. Um, they shouldn't be docked too many points when the uh, when the hammer comes down in uh, in some point in April. Um, as you say, it wasn't a, a surprise at all. He signed forty three players, I think it is, uh, over um, in three different in three transfer windows. Then you know, unless you're bringing in some big bunts through uh, player sales, which Forest haven't, uh, or at least haven't in the um, allotted period, then you're going to be in some trouble. And when Forest came up a couple of years ago, were there any worries from the fan base in that the players coming in would cause FFP problems? Or was it just sort of like, we're in the Premier League now, we need the players? Because I think the argument is there that Forest came up with a lot of loan players. So it's not like you couldn't sign anyone. Um, but was there any worries when you signed that kind of multitude of players that it was going to cause these problems? Um, I think it was a sort of background worry. And I think it was really at the forefront of anyone's mind. The... Um... As you say, the core of the team that got promoted were loanees, um, and uh, I'm just trying, desperately trying to remember. I don't think any of them, any of those loanees, actually joined permanently. Um, so they needed to buy a lot of new players because you know the the the, the five loanees weren't there anymore, and by definition, the players that those loanees were keeping out of the team weren't going to be good enough for the Premier League. So, yeah, they did need to sign a lot of players. It was just the sort of haphazard way in which they did that that um, has sort of caused some problems. Like, you know, for example, signing John Joe Shelby in January, um, who played, I think, three games um, before being quietly ushered off to Turkey um, in the summer. So, yeah, it, 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 it wasn't... It wasn't a kind of primary concern, but I think it was probably at the back of everyone's mind that you know we, we might be in some trouble here. And with the with the consequences, which you, you've alluded to, could be points deductions. Before the before this all broke, before the story broke, were you worried about a relegation battle? And now is it looking well? I mean, with the points deduction and where we both are in the table, I think the only thing that will probably save both of us this season is that the three promoted teams besides maybe Luton, don't look like they've got too much fight in them. But are you thinking now that Forrest are right in amongst it? Yeah, I mean, probably um, we're right in amongst it anyway. Certainly before um, Nuno's second and third games, which beat uh, Newcastle away and Manchester United at home and uh, gave the Forest a little bit of a buffer between us and the relegation zone. But yeah, it, it, it is obviously quite difficult to... Um, to really get a decent idea on how big the problem is going to be, because we don't know how many. Assuming it is going to be a points deduction, which it almost certainly will be, um, we don't know how many points it's going to be. I suppose you could make the argument, and I have made this argument. I wrote something about this for the Athletic earlier on this week that if you're going to get deducted points in any season, it might as well be this one, because feasibly Forest could get it. it probably is probably not going to be the ten points that Everton got for for their breach, but it, it's not out of the realms of possibility that Forrest could get 
docked ten points from where they currently are and still stay up. They if they if if they took ten points off Forest Total now, they still still wouldn't be bottom of the table. That still would be above Sheffield United. So you know it would it's it would obviously make things extremely difficult if there are any points deducted at all. Um, but it's not it wouldn't it's not going to be the sort of calamity that it might be in another season. Just before we get on to, obviously, on-the-pitch stuff, I'm, I could talk about football finance. I actually find it quite interesting, obviously, when it's not my team <laughs> who, are, who are at the crux of it. But uh, I, could, I could talk about it for a while. But before we get on to on-the-pitch stuff, there's been, obviously, a big manager change at Forest. Steve Cooper, someone who Brentford fans I don't think are the biggest fan of uh, in previous meetings with with Swansea or Forest. Uh, I think he, he gripes a lot of Brentford fans. But, obviously, he's been big big figure at Nottingham Forest and he's been replaced by Nuno Espirito Santo. Firstly, what are your thoughts on Steve Cooper's dismissal? And second of all, what did you make of Santo's appointment before the the two back-to-back wins that you've just had? Were you inspired? What what was it like? Well, on Cooper, I mean, there's two parallel things here, really. There there were plenty of logical reasons to say why, um, you know, it was probably the end. He he seems to be starting falling out with a couple of players and Previously, one of his sort of big strengths was his relationship with the relationships with the squad. Um, he was doing a few odd things tactically, like playing need, sort of needlessly playing players out of position, that kind of thing. Um, but on a kind of emotional, sentimental level, I don't think you would find many fans who were sort of um, you know actively keen to get rid of him. Um, I was in the away end for um, the game against Fulham, where Forrest lost 5-0. And uh, there was a sort of 10, 15-minute spell in the second half where, it, even though even as we were going, you know, we were 4-0 down and Raul Jimenez was scoring a no-look-back heel against us. We, the, the, the It was just constant Steve Cooper chance because we all thought it was the end, basically. We, we assumed that... After such a debacle, he would be sacked the next day. Uh, as it turns out, he lasted a couple more games, but it sort of still illustrates how popular he he still was. And it's you know, and it, it, even if you kind of discount the sort of more ephemeral stuff, like he he had a sort of fantastic relationship with the fans for reason for everything outside of the performance on the pitch. But even if you push that to one side, it, the, the basic fact that he was the manager that got Forrest back into the Premier League for the first time in 23 years, um, there's inevitably going to be that kind of enormously strong sentimental attachment to him. He's, you know, for, for, for a lot of the fans, uh, uh, won't remember Brian Clough. I, I'm not quite old enough to remember the kind of blo- real glory years. I started going um, a couple of years before he retired. Um, so Cooper will be the most significant Forest manager of their lifetime, and he's you know he's probably the most the second most significant manager in the history of uh, history of the club. Um, in terms of Nuno, I think everyone was a little bit underwhelmed, or most people were a little bit underwhelmed, um, partly because of his spell with Tottenham, um, partly because even though he did actually win the league in Saudi Arabia, he spent a season or maybe two seasons in in Saudi Arabia, which you know doesn't tend to enhance anyone's reputation. Um, to say the least, and um, there have been a couple of slow, slow, sort of slightly sexier names dangled before he was appointed. Um, Julian Lopetegui was mentioned. Oliver Glasner was mentioned. So 
it, it, it felt a little bit underwhelming when he was appointed. Um, but then, you know, speak to Wolves fans would go, a former Wolves correspondent at the Athletic, Tim Spears, huge Wolves fan. Yeah, I sent him a very, a series of very intense messages um, asking him to reassure me that everything was going to be all right. And he did a quite a good job of that because he is Wolves' version of Steve Cooper. It took them up into the Premier League, um, playing some kind of, for the for the most part, very exciting football, um, and that sort of all got lost a little bit in the quite brief period he was with Spurs. So yeah, the initial reaction was a little bit underwhelming, um, but then when you started to think about it a little bit more, you kind of thought, well, actually, that this might not be the worst appointment in the world. Yeah, I mean, getting Wolves into Europe was a massive achievement. I feel like that spell at Tottenham really kind of marred everyone's opinion. On him. <clears throat> Let's move on to matters on the pitch in the Premier League. You're coming into the game off the back of back-to-back wins against Newcastle and United. Two really big results, although it's not really that special beating United anymore. But still, Newcastle <laughs> away. Newcastle away. Chris Wood Hattrick did not see that coming at all. How impressed were you by by those performances? Uh, particularly the Newcastle performance. Um, United was United Forest were very good, but uh, um, Manchester United were. I don't know if you watched the game, but they were pretty bad. Um, the certainly the, the the two goals that Forest scored, the second one in particular, it was just absurd how much time um, the Forest players were given. But the Newcastle game certainly was a sort of perfect away performance, really, and it kind of um, it was a it, more more than it being a sort of perfect away performance. The, the thing that was probably encouraging was um, in, in a number of ways was the fact that it was the performance sort of perfectly suited to the players available. Um, so, you know, Forrest have got, well, uh, had at the time uh, a couple of extremely quick wingers, Anthony Elanga and Callum Hudson-Odoi, who naturally suited to a sort of fast counter-attacking game. And um, I think all three goals came from those kind of quite rapid counter-attacks, defended really well in that game as well. Um, and, you know, the, the idea of using the players available to you in the best way possible is quite sort of, I don't know, encouraging when the solution to everything at Forest in the last 18 months or so has been buy someone else, buy more players, just sign someone and fix that problem. So um, the idea that uh, that Nuno is going to, you know, be a bit more prudent with the resources available to him um, was pretty encouraging, as well as the basic fact that, you know, even though Newcastle are not in great shape at the moment, beating them at Newcastle is a, a sensational result for a team kind of struggling towards the bottom of the table. 100%. I mean, <clears throat> beating Newcastle away from home by any scoreline is is super impressive. But I think more impressive is the fact that you mentioned that all three goals were kind of on the counter-attack, and that's what Nuno's known for in his playing style, especially when he was at Wolves. So it's nice to see, I guess, that um, Nuno's kind of already implementing that, and you've seen it in the last two games. Whether there's a kind of new ban- new manager bounce feel about it, I don't know. What, what do you think? Yeah, it's, it, that, that, that's perfectly possible. He's done a couple done a couple of things of sort of. Uh, it, it, this doesn't really sound like a compliment, but it's the, the sort of easy win kind of things. Like you know, for for a, a big portion of the kind of early um, uh, early weeks of the season, partly because of the balance of the squad, uh, Steve Cooper was trying to play Morgan Gibbs White, who is I think by some distance, Forrest's best um, attacking player, certainly. Um, he 
does all his best work in the middle, and he was playing been playing on the wing for a lot of the the sort of early weeks of the season. Nuno has put Gibbs White straight back into the middle, into back into the number ten role, um, and he's been brilliant in all three league games that uh, that they've played and, and scored against Blackpool in the FA Cup as well. So, um, yeah, things like that are quite sort of straightforward things to do and straightforward things to fix. But he, you know, he has fixed them. Whether that that's going to kind of last um, is is a kind of another thing entirely, really. And and you know the the um, <laughs> the problem that I don't know if we're going to come to this, but the problem that Forrest might have at Brentford is the fact that a lot of the players who were so key in those um, in the Newcastle game certainly might not be available. Yeah, I mean, I was literally my next question. I saw Morgan Gibbs White looks like he's going to be out for a couple of weeks. I don't think Alanga is going to be fit for Saturday. Is he touch and go? Uh, Alanga may well be touch and go. Hudson Adoy came off in the uh, the cup game against Blackpool on on Wednesday night, so um, he might be touch and go as well. Murillo, the centre back who who has been probably the the other best player of the season, he also went off. Although I think that was cramp um, in last night's game, so. Um, I've, I've sort of, I've vaguely, I've kind of lost track of the number of players that aren't going to be available, um, either through injury or uh, we've got quite a few players away at AFCON. Um, so yeah, extremely, extremely thin squad available um, to Nuno. And uh, other than Chris Wood, there isn't. Uh, if we kind of assume that um, Elanga and Hudson Doy won't be available. Um, Tyra One is out a little bit longer term as well. Divock Origi, who, uh, you know, if you've forgotten that he plays for Forest, he actually does play for Forest. Um, he is out at the moment as well. So um, not a huge amount of attacking options at the moment. Divock Origi was one of those deadline day signings over the summer, oh, yeah. wasn't it? When you brought up, how many players did you sign on deadline day? Uh, deadline day, I think it was seven. Um, God. It's, it is, it's very difficult to keep track sometimes. Yeah, um, uh, yeah. In it, terms of gone. Go Ari- Ari- sorry, Arigi was um, the, only, the 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 people who kind of signed the players, and particularly the um, the uh, son of the owner, Miltos Maranakis. He's had this kind of slightly odd obsession with signing Mishi Bachwai in the last couple of uh, transfer windows, and there was sort of talk that he was going to go in for him again. So it feels like he, it, it was like okay, and for some reason I need a slightly over the hill Belgian striker. <laughs> get me Bachwai, and uh, if Bachwai can't come, get me Origi. In terms of <laughs> in terms of those players that that can hurt Brentford, obviously there's there's a few on the injury list besides Chris Wood. Who who should we be looking at in terms of people that can hurt us going forward? Well, a couple of the um, uh, a couple of midfielders might be sort of pressed into attacking duty, and um, a couple who have scored goals recently has been Danilo, the um, very young Brazilian midfielder who I think scored at Brentford last season. Um, yeah, he did. Yeah, he yeah, yeah. He, he won two one towards the end of the season. Mm-hmm. Um, he he was brilliant in the last few weeks of last season. Has not been quite as good uh, this term. Uh, partly because he uh, spent a few months out injured. Um, and then Nico Dominguez, um, Argentinian uh, midfielder, he, um, he's sort of, he, theoretically a sort of box-to-box um, ball winner, really, but he has been played in the absence of other, any other, uh, uh, of, um, other 
sort of wide players. He's been played a bit further forwards, um, sort of out of choice uh, in a couple of games, but it would probably be out of necessity in this one. So there'll be um, a couple of the other, the other players, certainly from a, a, a kind of attacking standpoint to look out for. I'm a big fan of Ryan Yates. Talk to me a little bit about him. He, uh, uh, I, I could talk for hours about Ryan Yates. He's wonderful. He's um, uh, not the most technical player in the world, but um, he is. He looks like an absolute pain in the ass to to play against. He's always kind of snapping at people's heels and shoving and little little kicks. And he's a, he's a very good ball winner. Um, you kind of hope that when he does win the ball there's someone quite close by for him to give it to because he's as i said not the silkiest of um, silky players um but yeah he's an absolute hero and it's kind of it, it, we, we were t- talking about that the, the the core of the team the, the the team that got promoted the sort of homegrown core of it was um brennan johnson up front joe worrell in defense and ryan yates in the field Worrell's a little bit out of favour, although you know he might be pressed into duty um, this weekend. And Ben and Johnson's obviously been sold to Tottenham, so Yates is the one kind of homegrown player that's getting any regular game time at the moment. So even though um, you know, it, 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 despite all Forest problems, it is still um, on balance preferable to be in the Premier League rather than just kind of <laughs> washing around in sort of um, you know. Uh, nondescript parts of the championship and just kind of trudging to Preston on Tuesday night, not really caring about the result. Um, but the, so the, it is still, you know, uh, nourishing, I think. And uh, it's called, you know, gives you a warm, fuzzy feeling when there is at least one youth product still in the team. And at the moment, that's... that's- it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. It's Ryan Yates. Yeah, hundred percent. I'm I'm a I'm a big fan of his. Let's let's go on to on to Saturday. Oh, just before that, it's a question I ask everyone that I get on sort of the opposition preview. What have you made of Brentford in the Premier League so far? It's been weird, isn't it? The certainly certainly the last was it five games in a row now. The um, yeah, uh, losing. I mean, from from the out from an outsider's perspective, I've sort of put that down to um, you having absolutely no attackers. But I, I don't know whether it's kind of whether there are sort of deeper problems or whether this is, I don't know, I'm, I'm, you're asking, you're asking me a question, I'm going to ask you a question now. Is it, <laughs> is it, is it because of those, of the absences or is there some kind of deeper problem which um, sort of hints at something more grim ahead? No, I don't think, I don't think it's more. I think a lot of Brentford fans on Twitter seem to feel like it's more, but with the injury list, I think Rico Henry going early doors doing his ACL is a huge loss. Uh, I, I'd go as far to say that's probably even more important than than Ivan Tony up top. I think Chris Iyer has been touch and go basically the whole season. Kevin Sharder was our record signing. He's been out the whole season. Brian and Boomer got injured at Brighton, which means he misses AFCON, which is kind of a silver lining for us, but obviously devastated for him. Uh, Wissers at AFCON, Matty, like there's, it, the list could go on. The, the, the injury list has been relentless this year. 
But uh, yeah, no, it's, it's been pretty bleak. I think we've lost the last seven out of eight. And like you said, five game losing run. So this season has been a bit, a bit tough. But I think with Tony coming back on Saturday and uh, we Chris Iyer played in the last game as well, we should sort of in the next month or so have a number of key players coming back, albeit it won't be Rika Henry, which is probably the biggest miss, but we will have we'll have a few players coming back. Um, is fit is sixteenth against fifteenth? I think you're a point ahead of us. Is it is it too early to say this is a six pointer? <laughs> uh, this is getting into um, I don't know if you listen to football cliches, but this is getting into, <laughs> this is getting into cliches territory about what what the cutoff point for a six pointer is. I think it, I think it is too early for a six pointer. Okay. I think you need to be in March uh, at the earliest for it to be a proper relegation six pointer. Um, as you, uh, as we've kind of alluded to before, um, if you take out the sort of points deduction element for a minute, that we are two teams who have that that sort of buffer of uh, having what we perceive to be three pretty bad teams in the relegation zone. So you kind of think, well, as long as you sort of vaguely competent for the rest of the season then you're probably going to be fine um but I, I suppose that's quite that could be quite a sort of dangerous attitude you could you know you could just slip into a false sense of security and suddenly find yourself sliding down the league um but yeah i think i need a judgment call on this i think it, it, it is too early to for it to be <laughs> how, how do you think it's going to go on on saturday with Obviously, Tony being back such a big boost for us. I know that the atmosphere will be will be rocking down at the GTEC under the lights. How do you think it's going to go? Yeah, I think if we were playing last week, then it would be sort of no longer given the um, if you take yeah take Tony out of the equation. I think it would have been a nailed on nil nil draw because <laughs> you know neither team has got any attackers. Um, mm-hmm. But I don't, this is just a sort of the fatalistic fan talking. But Tony coming back. We've got a few defenders missing as well. Um, it feels sort of fairly inevitable that he'll do something. So um, I suppose this is the point where, as the optimistic fan, I should be, you know, saying that Forest are going to win. But I, I think I think Brentford probably win narrowly. Fair enough. I think it's it's going to be a good game regardless. I'm really looking forward to going, especially with the atmosphere. I think that'd be a good place to round things off, Nick. I really appreciated that. Just remember before we go, guys, drop the comments, drop in the comments, sorry, what you think the score is going to be against Forest on Saturday and we'll do our best to reply to them. And the Interim Podcast will be back next week to go over the Forest result. And we're also going to have an episode coming out tomorrow. This is going to come out tonight at the time of recording on Thursday, but we've got an episode coming out tomorrow, which is going to do a full kind of Tony preview with Darren Lewis. So keep your eyes peeled for that across the socials. And we shall see you then. Nick, it's been a pleasure, mate. Really appreciate that. No worries. Thanks for having me on. Podcast Network.